0: And on a beautiful night here at the Coliseum, the lights have taken full effect. Welcome to Taking Effect, an Oakland A's podcast with Ken Korak. Now, with an inside look at the A's, here's Ken. Keith Lippman has toiled in the A's minor league system for the last 45 years, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't had a profound impact on the major league club. Lippman was drafted by the A's in 1971 out of Kansas where he majored in journalism and also starred on the baseball team. And he was also part of one of the best football teams in Jayhawks history, the 68 team that won nine games and would lose by a point to uh, Penn State in the 69 Orange Bowl. He spent nearly a decade playing in the minors before turning to coaching and eventually managing. It was in Tacoma in 1986 that I first met Lip while he was managing the A's AAA team. He moved into the front office in 88 and has spent the last 25 years as the A's director of player development. His innovative and personal approach has touched every player, coach, and manager who has come through the A's system. You also might think, well, 45 years in the game, he might be stuck in his ways and married to old school philosophies, but that's far from the case. For Keith Lippmann, every day provides a chance to grow and learn, and when we met at the A's complex in Mesa. Our conversation ran the spectrum from a changing emphasis on nutrition and baseball to sleep habits and even Tai Chi as a vehicle for self-improvement. Now, as he gets ready for another season, just mention of his name around the ballpark elicits immediate words of respect, and not only from the A's, but from everyone around the game. Those people know how important Lipman has been, providing a sense of continuity in a sport where change is a constant. We talked about many topics, and when the interview was done, we agreed that the conversation could have gone on forever. So I'm sure there'll be a part two with Keith Lippman before too long. Well, Lipp, it's great to have you with us today. And let's start, first of all, with some of the nuts and bolts. As we're recording this in the middle of March at Fitch Park in the Lew Wolf Training Complex, How many minor league players are in camp right now, approximately?
1: We're probably around 110 right now. Uh, The big leagues have just sent 12 down, so we're probably around 120. And by the time it's over, there'll be 140, 150 players here.
0: How does each day get organized, and how do the players, I guess, how do they know where to go when they come to the complex each day?
1: We have a great coordinator by the name of Aaron Nakula, who uh, spends probably most of his day trying to put this all together. Uh, We usually meet for an hour every morning to individually assign coaches to what they're going to have to do that particular day, how they're going to get it done. And uh, we spend a lot of time. It's so nice now with the uh, social media and the ability. We email every player what the schedule is going to be and what they're going to have to do the next day. So we're capable of reaching these guys at any time, any part of the night to show them the changes and uh, it's radically changed over the years, but it's really neat how, how fast you can get information across.
0: This would be impossible for you to quantify, I would think. But you've been with the A's for 45 years. How much have things changed during that time?
1: Well, it's amazing uh, to even talk to you about the fact that I can you know, send a player to the big leagues uh, via text. Uh, versus my first year as a farm director in '92, having an old big one of those bag cell phones that cost about five bucks a minute to use, and uh, you put your little antenna on your hood, and hope that you, you're capable of, of reaching anybody at that time. But in the old days, you'd have to go to a phone booth, uh, check a voicemail system, and try to uh, you know contact a manager uh, via uh, the front office in any way that you, you're capable of reaching somebody. Uh, you'd have to stop your car, find a phone booth, uh, call a clubhouse. And back then there were no phones in the clubhouse, so you'd have to go to the front office, and they would get a messenger to go down and find the, the manager. So big difference in in worlds.
0: That's great. If you're a – let's say you're a player right now and you're in the A's mindedly camp, what would the day be like? So,
1: probably start off with a breakfast from 6 to 8. Uh, you would go into a meeting uh, about skills, performance. Uh, then you would probably, if you are a pitcher – uh, have a, a meeting on game awareness. Uh, you would go through a very in-depth uh, strength and conditioning program where you would uh, you know, get your body ready for the day. Then you might do some yoga. Then you would go out and uh, you know, begin your, your stretch. Uh, it's a very uh, interesting change over the years of how we do things. Once you got through that process, uh, you would probably throw aside a bullpen. Uh, you would do some fielding fundamentals. Uh, that, that After that point, uh, you know, you would do the typical thing. You may shag a couple of rounds for the, the hitters. And then uh, you'd come back and maybe have one more meeting, have lunch, and uh, then there'd be the game.
0: Um, we were talking earlier. I wanted you to expand upon this because you said some very interesting things about the, the evolution of how the boundaries have been expanded in terms of trying to enhance um, – what players can do on a daily basis to get better. Uh, some of the great names like Stock and Ron Plaza and Carl Keel, but then some of the more innovative people um, like a Harvey Dorfman, who was like the team psychologist. Take us through some of that process and how it's been determined over the years, what works and maybe what we should shy away from.
1: Well, it's interesting in the, in the early to mid eighties, uh, this group of people did come together. All the gentlemen you, you mentioned And uh, at the time, uh, there there weren't any sports psychologists. There was no performance enhancement, uh, very little video. Uh, And all of a sudden, Carl brought all this in, uh, revolutionized uh, how to coach, uh, how to reach players, communications, uh, really changed the whole way that uh, things are operated. We had innovative general manager with uh, Sandy Alderson, and then Billy came along. And it's just continued to get more and more involved and uh you know there were times where people weren't ready for the, these kind of changes they resented it they weren't capable of doing it but little by little these uh things have become ingrained into the game and it's rapidly changing even more and more as the analytics and metrics uh continue to to expand and it uh who knows where it's going from here but it's changed dramatically since
0: the 80s what were you telling me about the paddling what was going on with that well,
1: at one point, uh, Carl was very innovative, and he was trying to find ways to help shoulder exercises. So he thought swimming would w- be a great way to help you know, increase the strength of uh, a guy's shoulder. So we bought swimming paddles, and we were sending guys over to local uh, pools to try to uh, help them in, get better with arm strength. We, there wasn't a whole lot of science about it at the time. Uh, we were using uh, Russian hill training from the Europeans Uh, to try to increase leg strength. Uh, We we tried to do a lot of things. Uh, Some were good and other things uh, didn't work. We had more injuries than we had success. So it was a lot of trial and error, and uh, now there's the sciences to it and uh, much more uh, have the capability of really structuring and exactly determining what's best for these players.
0: Carl Keel, the late Carl Keel, was a legendary figure in the game. and was a huge presence around the A's organization for many years. How was he your mentor?
1: Well, he was the guy that took me uh, almost like clay and molded me into understanding how the game's supposed to be played. Uh, He gave me structure, discipline, uh, you know, just a lot of the things that uh, as a young coach or manager, you don't really have an idea about how to be a good manager, how to communicate. Uh, And then you add Harvey Dorfman, uh, who gave me a whole lot with the mental side. So I had really good mentors along the way. I had an old school Ron Plaza that had come from Cincinnati organization and and St. Louis that uh, were the real uh, pioneers in how to develop and and organize uh, a spring training and how to, uh, you know, bring together the kind of players that uh, the Reds and the Cardinals were of those eras. They were great teams. And so there was a reason for that, and they had really good instructors at that time.
0: With all the success the A's have had over the years, and even during the time that I've been doing the games, eight separate trips to the postseason, a lot of people, myself included, would point to you as one of the glues, the people that really have helped to keep this organization together. How has it been that you've stayed with one organization for 45 years?
1: You know, it's, I've been fortunate that uh, there's really only been a couple of general managers. Uh, you know, having Sandy and, and then Billy and now David, uh, this has been a continuity that's flowed, and uh, you know, there's a, a mutual respect, I think, that uh, I bring the fact that I, we try to really coordinate from the top to the bottom, and they understand how important that is. And I'm sort of that uh, individual that you know, knows a lot about what's happening with the big league coaches, uh, what their desires are, and I, I bring their attitudes and the ideals and whatever is done at the big league level and try to run it through our minor league system. So I find myself kind of be the middle manager that ab- is able to know both ends of the stick and uh, try to make sure that it's carried out throughout a system. So we, we really spend a lot of time to make sure that that's taken care of.
0: Uh, like you said, there are about, what, 120 players in camp right now? What's the process like determining where those guys will wind up playing during the season?
1: You know, a lot of it depends on how they did last year. Uh, a lot maybe, uh, according to where they were drafted and the expectations of, of the organization. Uh, you know, we've acquired a lot of people through trades, and, uh, you know, we've got a lot of good young players in our system. So uh, there are some guys that are automatically already set to where they're going to go. Uh, there is some comp- competition uh, in the spring training, even though there's only like 14 games. Uh, Some people will step up, and there'll be a big change from last year, and you'll notice that there are differences. But a lot of it is kind of already set in stone. We know who our young guys are that we expect to perform in the future, and they're already going to pretty much be put in place. And then the competition begins for all those other slots.
0: Let's say player A or player B or whoever the player might be, and you can identify as a position player – based on what he's done the last couple years. He can really hit, but defensively he might be deficient. Will those things be targeted down here in camp?
1: Uh, A lot of things will go into place. Uh, Having Ron Washington as part of our group now defensively, uh, there's a whole new emphasis on how we go about training our players defensively. So all of our minor league coaches have been around Ron, and so his philosophy is starting to filter back through the system. And so a lot of that defense will be, play out with these younger players if there's a need in a certain area so we're well aware of, of how that's going to work Darren Bush came to us uh, early in our first couple of days here and expressed what he wanted to do with the big league levels about scoring runs about RBIs what his philosophy was so all of that has been given to our coaches so a lot of the understanding of, of how things work will be brought to the, the minor league players, and then uh, how they handle the situation. you know, It's really up to the player how well they do with that information.
0: You managed in AAA. In fact, we go back uh, literally 30 years when I was broadcasting the games here in Phoenix, and you were the manager of the A's AAA club in Tacoma. So I'm sure you experienced this, because I would hear this all the time. You'd have a pitching coach in AAA, and he would say one thing, and then you'd have the roving pitching instructor coming in. He'd say something else how do you develop a uniformity in terms of instructions so that maybe you develop like an a's way
1: i think the number one key is you've got to drop your ego at the door uh that's the biggest thing you know we have a l- bunch of really good instructors that uh are very competent they know the game uh they are willing to accept other people's ideas and try to integrate it ultimately it's it's having the relationship with that player you're working with that allows you to meet their needs. Uh, It's not always about us anymore, it's about understanding the player and uh, you know we give them information but they are the ones that have to be able to execute it. So developing that is half of our ability to bring that out in them and uh, a lot of times it's making it their idea. Uh, You know some players are are more stubborn than others and being able to, to build those relationships so that you can get information them so that they can process it and work it out in their own way um, you know there is no one what set way to do something and I think that's where the ego part comes in that we, we understand that there's a lot of different techniques a lot of different mechanics and uh, our job is to find out how to make them best work through those guys
0: the hot young guy right now I would think most people would say would be Franklin Barreto he's 20 years of age and I think he's ticketed for AA this year what goes into deciding how you can maybe fast track a player like that. And if he's ready to, to move that quickly through a system.
1: Well, last year is a good example of it. Uh, Franklin, you know, only had played it, with uh, the Northwest league and he came to us through the trade. Uh, he had some problems in, in Venezuela getting here and he was a little bit banged up when this, he came to spring training. So our first thought was let's send him to the Midwest league and, and start him a little slowly, get his feet on the ground. But we changed our mind because of the California League, where he ended up playing in Stockton. It's a little faster league. You may have a better chance to put up offensive numbers as a player because the league is geared more toward offense. So we figured if we could uh, put him in a comfortable place, because the Midwest League is very cold, tough place. To, uh, ballparks are difficult to hit in early. We wanted to build his confidence. So we jumped him a level knowing that he's a bright guy. He was probably capable of doing it. So he came out, struggled a little bit early, but then he found his kind of footing, and uh, he just took off as the season went on. He, I know he had a little bit of a wrist injury, but uh, that's sort of how you fast track guys. So you, you, you see a, an opportunity to maybe put him a level higher where it may not even uh, affect him to that degree, and, and he performed well and uh, the league. Uh, he ended up you know with the home runs and the power, and uh, he's our number one prospect.
0: From the time you've been here, can you point to one or two players who really were able to move quickly and handle everything at all those levels?
1: Well, I mean, Zito went very quickly. Houston Street went very quickly. You know, they were advanced players out of the draft, and, you know, they had a notoriety. Um, you know, McGuire was a couple years, uh, whereas Canseco uh, signed in 82, and, you know, he, it took him about four years, which is fairly typical for a, a high school kid at kind of get things going, uh, but they're, they're all so different. Uh, you come out of a good college program, we're really trying to, to get guys through the system a whole lot quicker
0: right now. Is it harder for a pitcher or a position player or is that too much of a generalization?
1: I, personally, I think that uh, the pitchers are going a little bit quicker. Uh, I think at bats uh, and number of pitches seen, especially with uh, the way we do things in Oakland with selectivity, discipline at the plate, uh, I think it's really more difficult for a hitter uh, because they they need to see more pitches. And learning how to lay off tough pitches, uh, how to work at-bats, uh, that's the key element that we do well in, at the big league level in Oakland because we can grind uh, some at-bats out because you know they've done that over time. And I don't think that's an easy skill to learn.
0: So what happened to that journalism degree of yours?
1: Well, I'm on the radio with you right now, so that's about as good as it got.
0: <laughs> it's so much fun to chat with you, and um, you've just done a sensational job all these years, and you've, you've been such a key factor in the A's success.
1: Thanks, Kenny. I, it's been a blast. I, I've had a wonderful time doing uh, fun things with the A's, and uh, you know this, the green and gold has been part of me, and it's a, it's a real thrill to be part of this
0: organization. Keith Lipman joining us from the Ace Complex in Mesa.